Hello, and welcome to the Transcending CRM podcast, a show where we explore how the Salesforce ecosystem has impacted the careers of fellow trailblazers and the businesses that have leveraged dynamic growth from the platform. This podcast is brought to you by Silverline. Silverline is a Salesforce digital transformation consultancy headquartered in New York City, specializing in financial services, media and entertainment, and healthcare industries. I'm your host, JP Owens, Managing Director of Banking and Lending at Silverline, along with my co-host, Elliot Spence, Solution Architect at Silverline. Hey, Elliot. Hey, JP. How are you doing today? Good. I'm excited to have a, a new guest today, uh, Julie Bonima. Julie is the Digital Transformation Manager at People's Bank in Munster, Indiana. Julie has been with People's for over 17 years and was a key stakeholder involved in People's evaluation and implementation of the Salesforce and Encino platforms. Welcome to the show today, Julie. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be here and talk a little bit about, you know, what we've done with Salesforce and kind of a little bit myself and, uh, you know, what we've been able to achieve through help of Silverline and other great partners that we have. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into more about your story about the evaluation process and more. So Julie, when I read a little bit about your role, you're digital transformation manager at People's, but I believe that might have changed a little bit over the last couple of months. Would love to have you kind of tell the audience more about yourself and your current role, as well as some of the previous roles you've held within banking technology. And then we'll, we'll jump into more about People specifically. So yeah, um, currently right now I'm acting as interim chief information technology officer. Um, my primary role at the bank recently has been digital transformation manager. I've shifted into an interim role for a little bit and um, maybe maybe we'll get uh, to do the actual role soon. I've kind of taken the lead here at the bank for procuring, researching technology, looking for a strategic direction on basically the bank's digital platforms, core platforms, um, looking for ways to make recommendations to improve customer experience, employee experience. You know, I work with senior leadership here at the bank and stakeholders to find and execute our vision around all of our digital platforms. So I've been here at Peoples for 17 years. I'm in a lot of various positions. So we started here as kind of our first online banking person. That was the only one. There was only online banking. Mobile banking didn't exist. Within about two years, I was asked to take over a department. It's basically we consolidated groups, um, technology administrators throughout the bank into one department. We we're kind of managing technology in an uncentralized way and realized it would be better to get us all together. We had a lot of parallels and it provided ways to get you know, become a backup for other people, cross-train, get ideas from each other, and kind of think of things as a holistic manner. So we basically looked at consolidating the group and we started, we called it systems delivery. And so a lot of what I've done at the bank is been like product ownership. We've done support for customers. There was points where I was even, I mean, we, you know, we're a small institution that's grown pretty rapidly. At some point I was even a uh, treasury management sales officer before we had treasury management sales. We did customer support. So we were uh, answering all the digital banking platform calls uh, for the bank. We were implementing new technology. So we were researching and looking into ways that we could make our customer experience better and then employee experience. So seeing what we can do to be more efficient, make things easier and kind of stop the swivel chair process of having too many applications for employees to use to do their job. So it's safe to say over your 17 years, you've worn many hats and interact with many technologies while at People's Bank. I would say that's probably an underestimate with many hats, but yes, everyone <laughs> kind of laughs because they're like, you did that too. We, you know, we did the bank's business intelligence for a long time. So yeah, done a lot of different things here at the bank. 
And can you tell us a little bit more about People's overall? So I, you're not a extremely large bank. Can you talk a little bit more about People's profile and how you how your view of technology has evolved over the last couple of years? So we are a community bank in the Chicagoland area. We started here in East Chicago, Indiana, um, as a small community bank and have grown. So when I started with the bank, where asset size was around six hundred million, and we're now about two billion in asset size. We've uh, expanded into the Illinois market. So we have branches in Chicago and the South suburbs in Chicago and here in Northwest Indiana, where our home base and our corporate center is. As we've grown, our technology needs have evolved quite a bit. We went from being a kind of smaller community bank to serving a much larger customer set with diverse needs in diverse areas. So we've had to take a look at the big picture of what we're trying to do and execute for our customers. And also while the entire banking system has changed, you know, having started bank at the bank, you know, I started when online banking has, was a pretty new product. And, you know, we've always tried to offer customers as many convenience features to make their lives easier as possible. And that's evolved over the years with the introduction of mobile banking. And you can remember our former president and CEO uh, coming to me one day, having attended a conference where he was excited because they showed mobile check deposit for the first time that this was a thing. And now if you think about the world and where would we be without that? I think that's when most people are depositing these days as we've seen branch traffic you know, decline, we still you know, we utilize branches more for an engagement center. So that's where some of these newer technologies um, and really honing in on our CRM has been important to us. And perfect segue. You mentioned CRM and, and then some. I think we met at the end of 2020, potentially, when Peoples was evaluating Salesforce and Encino for a potential project. So could you tell us a little bit more about your first exposure to the Salesforce platform and what you did to dive into it? And what were some of the business problems you were trying to solve as you evaluated Salesforce? So I was tasked here at the bank to look into different CRM platforms. We had had a longstanding technology uh, that we had I mean, maybe since I started here and it, um, we tried our best to improve it. There was very little ability to improve the platform, which was a big drawback because we'd get cust- you know, employee feedback that they couldn't do things they needed to do. It was difficult to use. We tried retraining people and we just couldn't get the engagement out of the platform we needed. We only really had one group that was successful in the bank using the platform and it was our retail banking group um, and others used to a much, much lesser level. And it was always a problem because we need our, all of our sales teams to be on a united platform so we have one vision of our customer. We really only had a singular pain because one group was really using it. And it wasn't even all of the users that were using it. It was really just our account openers so our tellers weren't even on there. And they're doing the majority of you know interactions every single day. So that was a big need for us. So I started in 2020 researching different technology and that's where I was first. I heard of that Salesforce before, but really introduced to Salesforce and all that was capable in that ecosystem. We were duly looking at Encino as well as a bank in a way to automate and help our uh, commercial lending process because that was something we were working on as well because that was another big need that we had. So it kind of, we dovetailed in that project needing to improve a big ecosystem of a lot of a lot of employees here at the bank and make sure that we can be all on the same page. Um, so that was in my lens of looking for solutions. 
that's that was really what I was trying to do is what could be the best solution to unify everyone, to give everyone that single pane of view and solve really all of our technology problems that we were having. We also had a lot of redundant technology. We were using Excel sheets for lots of lots and lots of things. I can remember in our implementation process, it became kind of a joke of how many times people would say, well, that's an Excel sheet and it's over here. So we had a lot of segmentation even through the bake of one singular pane in one business unit with information that was needed by everyone. So we were passing Excel sheets around. So those were those were definitely key things I was trying to solve. Yeah, that's awesome. So can you go through a little bit of, you know, with, with all of your experience, all the different roles that you've had throughout your career, how did your experience in those different roles and the functions that you served in those roles at the bank enable you to be a successful leader in the digital transformation of Salesforce and Encino when that came along? I think in my different roles in the bank, I have really good grasp of what our micro issues are. You know, I know the small issues that we need to solve. I also know the big issues I've experienced, you know, down to servicing customers on the front end, helping someone on the phone, being in front of a customer in person to also very big strategic problems that we're, you know, trying to solve for in my different things that we support here at the bank, business intelligence, getting more data in the people's hands that need to use it, getting data at the right time. That's always been a challenge I've been trying to solve for. I think in my different positions, I could see how we needed to marry all these different systems I was, you know, managing together so we could service and help people better. You know, I think every business is trying to solve for getting information at the right time. We had information. It was just separated in so many different places. It became very difficult and cumbersome to try to get that all together and get it to them the right people's hands. So we won't be able to make good business decisions, which, you know, quickly, I think it was speed to market too, which are all things that I saw through managing different technology. I also was very in tune to user experience and customer experience. So I know usability, user interface, uh, you know, those those are really key. If it's not easy, if it's not seamless, it's going to be very difficult to get people to buy in. And that's one of the things looking for new platforms is something I'm always keen to. Um, how easy is it to use? How are we making things better? Um, I don't want to bring in a new technology that's going to complicate and make someone's job even more difficult. So everything I want to do, I want to be additive and solutioning to make sure that we're providing as easy of as the experience as possible to everyone. So, you know, there's solutions I've looked into and some I've managed that were really easy for the customer, but were very difficult on the back end and vice versa. So I've had solutions that were very customer cumbersome, but it was really efficient for us. So um, trying to bring it all together to make it one holistic, unified, easy for customers, easy for the bank is kind of where I've found my niche in, you know, all of my experience and what I've done throughout my career, basically. Now, when you get into Salesforce and it's, you know, obviously both are very large platforms. There's a lot to learn and a, it's a big change for everybody when adopting it. Did you do anything in particular using like Trailhead or Encino University to start to get people acclimated to the systems when you started preparing for that change and that transformation? Well, we did very intense training at the beginning which was nice. And then we've, we've have our internal team utilizing Trailhead and Encino University that manage the platform. And we've pushed some of that information down in a more customized way to our employees. 
because things have been customized in all of our systems. So sometimes we find those, they're an awesome place to start and such a great way to learn. Um, I myself have dived in and taken a lot of trail hides and classes myself just to get a better understanding of what is there and what's available. It's a totally amazing learning system. On our user side, some of the, where we got us, it didn't look exactly like their screens. So we have basically taken some of that knowledge and helped, you know, cover specific topics, but with our screens, you know, so that has helped us tremendously. We've also started to help people along. We've also started, we have kind of open office hours where people can call in and basically it's kind of like, uh, we have this open office where people can sign in and they can jump on a zoom with us and ask us anything about the platform. So what we're doing with those, a new thing we were starting to try is in those office hours, we're also doing some small education classes on various topics. So we'll go and like take a trailhead and then we'll go talk about it, you know, to our users. And we've seen the engagement in those office hours increase as we've done that because they're getting information to help them use the system better. So that's, that's kind of been a great app that we've done. Yeah, I really like the open office hours concept. That's something that I've done in the past and I've had a ton of success with it because it it just gives them that avenue to come in and ask about what it is that may be giving them trouble in the platform or are they doing certain things right? And then, like you said, open it up as you know as a forum to, to ask anything they want about the system or make any kind of recommendations. It really helps gain that adoption. So I really like that concept. I'm thinking about expanding it in this next year too, in addition to kind of covering topics in general, start covering what we're working on um, and what our future releases look like. So we can kind of, so we can give people's feedback right away on what the value is, um, you know, anything, that, something they're excited about it. So we know how to better promote it. Um, what's going to be, you know, the best for the users. Cause you know, we, we, we think we do, we listen to all our users, but there's nothing like hearing firsthand feedback. So I think that's another way we can utilize that time to really drive change within the bank. Yeah, I like that. It's great hearing how different companies, different banks are really leveraging the platform and helping to get that adoption and, you know, increase the, you know, the use of the system by the end user. So I really like the the open office concept that you're pulling there. Was there any aspect of your Salesforce and or Encino implementation that you underestimated or wished you may have ad- approached it differently now, now that you look back on the implementation of Salesforce and Encino? Definitely would have done things a little different. Um, you know, we kind of started out in a smaller scope and let our scope creep quite a bit, in my opinion. Um, I really would have liked to focus more on maybe a couple small groups. We ended up onboarding the entire sales team at the same time and some of the service teams. Um, and I think it was just a little too much for us. I we also At the same time, we also implemented Encino, which is its own platform and and process. It felt like, especially right out of the gate, Encino is so critical to us because we're doing our commercial lending to it, you know, through this platform that we had to spend a lot of our time focusing on Encino where we let, we didn't let Salesforce go. We still looked at it, but we didn't get to really enhance it and focus on it the way I would have liked. So, I mean, something I would caution is really try to think about what are the, things that are going to be the most impact, concentrate on making those great, you know, right away, just concentrate on those one things and then move on, you know, move on and keep evolving, you know, continuous, small evolution, getting the first part right, and then moving on to the next. You know, I felt like our crawl, walk, run phase really took 
So you kind of jumped crawl a little bit and went into walk. And I, I would caution people to just try to really think about, you know, a couple really big impact items you can do and concentrate on those and get those perfect. Yeah, there's so much you can do in both platforms. It's it's easier to see all the potential and want it all right now versus realizing how much of a change it might be if you haven't used a platform like this. And I, I think if I look back at your your first engagement, the service team really was a new service team. You were creating a service center, kind of a centralized call center for the first time on Salesforce in addition to implementing Encino. So your first project was definitely a very large project with some tight deadlines to replace some legacy systems, correct? Exactly. Yeah, we had some solutions that were we were under contract with that were expiring that we knew we did not want to renew that we would be replacing. So we definitely had to meet those because, you know, we did not want to extend our contract and we knew that we wanted to move towards the Salesforce and Xenom ecosystem. So we were kind of, our hands were forced a little to do things a little faster than we would have liked, or maybe that was good for us, but we made it through and I think we did a great job. I just always think like, well, if I could have just concentrated a little bit more, it would be even that much better right now. But I think, uh, you know, there's so much you can do in these platforms. I mean, you, you touched on it. There's just so much you can do and you can just keep evolving. I think that's kind of, it's really easy to look at that and say like, well, we could just add on that as well. And, and that was our, our customer, you know, customer solution center, our call center. We were standing that up at the same time. It had started a little bit before, but I felt like we didn't have our business requirements really defined by the time we needed them for Salesforce. So I think if we could have held off on that, we would have had probably better input. You know, we would have been more informed. We would have had a better picture about what we were trying to achieve at the time, you know, a little bit later in our, you know, in our, you know, our history here. I think uh, it just would have been a little bit better if we could have waited. Yeah. And you've been on the platform for a couple of years. We always tell people the first project's really the starting line and setting expectations to the business that we will get to all of the features and capabilities. It just might not all happen in that first release. And you can do iterative releases, which I think you all have proven um, works well as you've been maintaining it for a couple of years. But as we look at how Elliot and I operate as consultants. One thing's we're one thing we're always talking to clients about who are on their first project evaluating Salesforce and Encino, or maybe they're on their 10th, 20th release of the platform since they did their first big project is how are you recognizing value, not just from the efficiencies gained, but the capabilities you've enabled for the business? How has your team um, internally or in partnership with Silverline helped the organization document and communicate the value and some of the capabilities that Salesforce and Encino are bringing the People's Bank team? I think something that we've done is, especially now, we've been working on celebrating our accomplishments and really making sure everyone's aware of really what we are working on. So everyone's kind of forefront of like what's coming next, but like what were our big wins for each quarter? You know, we've focused on that with Silverline and we've also focused focused with that in our COE. And I think now once people actually see what we've accomplished and we have a list and we can quantify things that we've never been able to quantify, quantify before has been great. So there is a lot of, we have have like an issue of lack of data in the right place, or it's too manual to track that data. So through the process of implementing Salesforce and Xeno, we've been able to track things that we've never been able to track before, or would have just been entirely too cumbersome to track, very manual process that you really kind of question, is it even worth it if it's going to take us this much manual work to track? So one of the places that we have tracked was our application to close time in Encino. 
And from the beginning, from very close after we implemented, till I think this is stats from November, um, which is a couple months ago, but we improved that, we reduced that application to close time by 20 days, which is amazing to me. Knowing that information that our platform was able to achieve this for the business, being able to tell people that, it really makes the investment pay off. You know, you, you can see where it's paid off. We're moving loads through quicker than we've ever moved them. We're more efficient. You know, we're booking to our core. We're not manually uploading anything. Um, so there's a lot of things that we've been able to quantify that we've never been able to quantify before. The other thing I think is having a targeted list of areas for improvement, you know, lead rate conversion, we looking at our, you know, pipeline reporting, cross-departmental lead tracking. We're using the next best action feature, seeing the engagement with those and seeing how they've grown over time. That's kind of, that's been great. And if we see, a, you know, a lull in those, we know that we can reach out in any of those stats. We can reach out to that business unit lead, then get them re-engaged so they can talk about it in their next meeting. Um, so having really easy to get real-time data has been kind of trans transformational, one of those, you know, transformational items for us. And that's, I think, would not have been able to do without these platforms. Yeah, next best action is one that I'm constantly bringing up and trying to utilize as much as possible on, you know, other engagements, just because I think it's something that's pretty simple to implement, but just delivers a ton of value. And you can get pretty creative with the the recommendations and the actions you want to see pop up based on all the different data in your system. So that's awesome as well to hear that that's being utilized and driving a ton of value right now. We're we're working on one right now that actually we're using it for something else. But I heard on the podcast um, that you you know you were talking about updating contact information and email, and I was like, that's got to be our next. We got to put that on our list next because that has been a constant struggle, and probably every organization has the struggle is getting customers to give you the, their email address and then getting updated contact info. You know, for some reason we joke is customers will give the email address to a big black store for a 10% discount, but they don't want to give it to the bank. I think they're afraid about being marketed to too much. Um, so we do have, that's a, that's an issue where we have a lot of email. We just haven't asked. I think that's some of it too, is you get really busy in your day to day and you're helping a customer. And you just forget to ask. So I think that's where having these reminders and something to kind of prompt you will really help. Absolutely. Yeah. If there's a, any kind of data point, like maybe the email bounced or the email is just blank or the phone number's blank, or you have something there that we tried to call them recently and it's not the right phone number, any kind of alert like that that you have that you can then surface, go ahead and ask for their email or ask for the phone number or update this information. It's, you know, pretty impressive how quickly you start to gather that information and makes an impact on the data that you have available to you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's kind of sad as you, we have, you know, returned email coming in where someone's statement has come back or, you know, a notice. And then we look on the system and like, oh, they were in a banking center yesterday. Um, if someone would have known that they could have asked for an updated, you know, address right there. You know, a lot of times people move and they forget to tell us. So that would be, that's another, you know, I keep thinking like we flag that on the system. It's just hard. You have to go into another system to see that. So if we can use that and put it in someone's, you know, right to it up for them when they're in Salesforce helping that customer, I think it's just going to help tremendously in so many ways. Yeah, I couldn't agree more there. So with the current project or your project now, you know, you're in a couple of different phases you've had now. 
Do you have any tips or recommendations for current admins or product owners that may be about to embark on the Salesforce or Encino journey, or maybe they're, they just started it? Any, any kind of tips or recommendations that come top of mind to you? I mean, top of mind is make sure that you find good partners, ones that want to share in your success. Um, that's been valuable for us is having really good partners to work with, to shoot ideas off, to, to you know, use expertise that we don't have at the time, especially if you're new. You know, we struggled a lot. I did my best, of course, to educate myself while I was researching this. But, you know, Salesforce in itself is just a not giant ecosystem and there's so much out there. You really need someone else that can help you with that. I would say utilize Trailhead. And if you're going down the Encino route, then Encino University, definitely use that. Those are great tools. And I would say if you're current product owner, admin, we're all think about roadmaps, think about that big picture, but don't be afraid to, I would say like the roadmaps, your, your kind of trail map, but the when you're actually like on that trail, sometimes I guess the terrain isn't, uh, isn't sometimes how you see, don't be afraid to change that. I know small changes, we've done small changes over time and really listening to the users that we've put in in some of our sprints that sometimes they they are more impactful than the big picture things that I'm thinking of because we made someone's job easier. And if you can do that at a big scale, those are the things that you know make people want to use the system. So make sure you're listening to your users, getting feedback, always looking ahead though. I mean, we're always thinking what's next and planning for the future. So think about where you want to be, but don't be afraid to make changes along the way. Once you're like on their trail and you see where you're, where you're going and how you might need to make, you know, you might need to fork right instead of left and, you know, left was your plan, but you know, things change as, as you're in it. Yeah. That's some good advice. And to kind of piggyback onto that one is, you know, when you're planning for what's next, when you're planning that roadmap and what's, you know, what you're going to be working on next, that could potentially make users' lives easier. Like you said, that could be the smallest thing that you think like, eh, you know, I guess we'll do it this quick. But that one quick thing you do makes everybody's life so much easier. And that's really going to help drive the adoption. But also looking at when you're planning what's ahead, what's coming on the Salesforce roadmap. We just had the, well, not in the production yet, but the spring 23 release that every release in Salesforce and every release in Encino, they're releasing a ton of, you know, functionality and just check and make sure that what you're about to do isn't also coming in one of the soon to come releases so that, you know, you're not building on top of what Salesforce is throwing your way. But I really like caring about the little things that make everybody's lives easier because that's what drove the, the most value in my past life when I was helping my end user base myself. Yeah, we really want to make people want to use the tool, not that they have to use the tool, right? And so some of those small changes really just impact that user satisfaction and make them buying in more. Um, they, you know, it becomes not something we're telling them to do, something they want to do, something that makes their life easier, you know, making salespeople, enabling them to concentrate on selling instead of doing other things. You know, I really think that people underestimate sometimes how a really small change can make a real big impact. 100%, yeah. And this is our last question and more of a fun one that, you know, every uh, episode we ask all of our guests to share a fun fact about yourself that not many people may know about. And this could be an accomplishment, a talent, a fun or a most unbelievable story. Do you have anything that you'd like to share with our guests to help get to know you better? So I guess a fun fact, I have a couple fun facts about myself. One is that I used to play and still a fishy roller derby. So I've been... uh, part of the roller derby community since 2005, back when they're only like 100 leagues, I think, in the United States. And now there's 
thousands of leagues in the world. <laughs> so that's been a fun thing to see evolve and be part of this changing and growing sport. And then I also like to do bird watching. So I go on a lot of bird watch here locally, but I also like to go on trips to different places to see birds. And I most recently went to Ecuador. And my fun kind of story is that when I, I think I told GP this when I got back is I got to experience a lot of firsts that I've never experienced. The first was a mudslide. So we were, you know, driving to a location in Ecuador and all the traffic got stopped and we were like, well, what's going on? And we got out of the truck that we were in and I mean, there had been a mudslide that covered the whole street and we had to wait for a couple hours to get that fixed. Uh, so it's something that I'd never thought about just because of where I live here um, in the United States. That's just not something that happens. While I was there, there was some civil unrest over the gas prices that were happening. And then I also got to experience a, an earthquake. So being in the Midwest, I've never experienced one. Every time I've gone to places where there's more frequent earthquakes, I've just never been there while that's happened. But that was kind of a unique thing to experience, uh, just standing there and not realizing really what was happening at the time. And then it just kind of hitting you that this is an earthquake and something I just never got to not experience before. It was really neat. Yeah, that's a lot happening all at once. You go off for bird watching and you're experiencing civil unrest, a earthquake. I mean, that's that's a lot to take in on one trip. So I myself have never experienced an earthquake. Apparently there's been some around Cincinnati at times, but they're more the ones that are, you don't even feel it, you know, so. That's seen here in Indiana. I'm just outside of Chicago. And, and I mean, we, well, sometimes you'll see like, oh, there was an earthquake and maybe people felt a tremble, but I like never experienced and never felt that. So it's just funny. Yeah. You go to this place to see like, just, I mean, it's amazingly beautiful country. Ecuador was amazingly beautiful and just kind of experiences those different things that I didn't even think about. You know, I was really thinking I'm going to see the Andes and, you know, beautiful, like parts of the Amazon rainforest, but then all these kind of other things just added a little to the trip on um, just new experiences, which I like, I, I like change and I like to experience new things. So. I think that was another first. Uh, we, we continue to have great fun facts and things people don't know about some of our guests. So thanks for sharing that personal anecdote, Julie. Really appreciate you taking time to join us today and telling your story and the People's Bank story about your Salesforce journey. And if people want to find you and want to reach out to you, is the best place to reach out on LinkedIn? Yes. Yeah, that's probably the best place to reach out to me. Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. To learn more about Silverline, you can subscribe to the Silverline blog at silverlinecrm.com or follow on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook at silverlinecrm, one word. Thanks again for joining us today, Julie. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. It was great.